All right. We are live. Another episode of Monero Talk. We are live with Derek Zimmer. Uh, he uh, no, no video today, but uh, I could hear him loud and clear, which is nice. And he's the uh, the founder of OSTIF, the um, Open Source Technology Improvement Fund, which I certainly look forward to learning more about. Uh, this is something, an example of something that I would personally know nothing about, but for the fact that it's now been involved uh, in, in two of Monero's audits, the first one being Bulletproofs and the second one being RandomX, which we are all uh, anxiously awaiting for in the Monero community. So Derek, if you want to, uh, I guess, give a quick intro of yourself and then we'll we'll, we'll get into it. Sure, sure. Uh, my name is Derek Zimmer. I'm a privacy activist and I founded OSTIF back in 2015. Uh, the purpose of the organization is to help open source projects just get whatever resources they need, which is, you know, funding or if it's just logistics or if they need introductions to people, that sort of thing. Um, oh, your mic is silent. Oh, I'm sorry. Here we go. There we go. Uh, yeah. So how, how did how did that come about? How was the. Uh... How did you end up starting it? What what was the impetus there? I guess you were working on open source source projects and you kind of saw a need there or? Yeah, the, uh... Uh, I've been involved in the open source world for quite a while. Uh, I would say at least 15 years. And there's a lot of recurring themes that you see when you're dealing with open source projects in that it's usually a couple of developers just want to make you know some kind of tool that's useful to them or to the community, but they don't have the resources to make something that's easily usable for everyone or that you can be very confident is secure, uh, so on and so forth. So the idea was to start this charity that people could donate money to, and then we would get the resources to help improve projects that are really valuable to the community. Very cool. And so what, like, what are some examples of maybe some other, other projects you guys have worked on? Uh, so our first project was Veracrypt, which was a, uh, a successor to the very famous TrueCrypt hard drive and, uh, encryption software. And uh, it had been taken on by a new developer because the TrueCrypt people had uh, basically abandoned their project and then someone else took it over under a different name. And uh, people weren't very confident in the software. You know, it's just some unknown person running this project versus something that had been ran for like eight years prior with a stellar record. Um, so that was our first audit. And we found a lot of, uh, a lot of issues that wound up getting fixed. And that was kind of our, our launch pad for all of our projects that we've done now. Um, we also work very closely with OpenVPN. Okay. And uh, we are now involved in nine different projects currently. So is there, oh, that, that's great. So, so I guess assume, I guess people are now reaching out to you as opposed to you reaching out to them? Uh, yeah, we actually get way more requests for help than we can give uh, because our budget is small. But we do as much help as we can. Yeah, I mean, that's that was one of my big questions too. I mean, it seems also to be quite reasonably priced. I mean, I'm not a programmer or anything myself, but I mean, this is some like high level work you guys are doing. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, is, do you guys have uh, funding in addition to 
what you charge? Is there funding that supports this, uh, supports the group? Yeah, we do have a few corporate sponsors. It would be nice if we had more, but for the most part, we do our services for free and the cost that people incur is usually just the cost of whatever developers we need to get on board to do whatever it is we're doing for the project. Very cool. How does, uh, who, who are your supporters? Who are the, uh, the corporate sponsors? Um, our largest sponsor is Private Internet Access. They're a very large VPN provider. Uh, we also have NordVPN and ExpressVPN and uh, DuckDuckGo. And we're currently in talks with the Linux Foundation. And uh, IBM was talking to us about kicking in some money, but they haven't yet. Um, so yeah, we've, we've got a few sponsors that give us a recurring donation that helps a lot. Very cool. So is there kind of, um, are, are there certain things you consider other than the fact that a project obviously must be open source? I mean, uh, do you got, how do you guys kind of pick and choose what you work on? What are you taking into consideration? Um, well, there's multiple things that we consider. The, the first obvious thing is that it has to be open source and they have to be able to work publicly. So not only does the project have to be open source, but if we're doing a security audit, for example, we want to be able to publish those results. Because if we were to audit a project and got disastrous results and you know they chose not to fix the issues, we want to be able to publicly say, hey, this isn't safe to use. So Very that's cool. one of our requirements. And then we go through uh, a list of uh, requirements, which is usually just we evaluate how valuable it is in the community, how widely it's used, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then it, it seems like there's, there's a theme beyond, obviously, um, your guys, uh, you know, upholding of the idea you know, the, the ethos of, of open source communities. Mm -hmm. You also seem to be very much in the concepts of, I guess, open internet and censorship resistance. Yes. Are these, are these things that also kind of play into uh, your values and how you choose projects? Yes, absolutely. Um, most of our sponsors are involved in uh, anti-censorship work. So that is exactly the kind of thing that we work with. I guess I guess what I'm slowly leading up to, dude. The, the, does Monero do, is that is that kind of one of the reasons why you guys work on Monero? Is that uh, is it beyond just the fact that it's an open source project? Are you are also interested in its, you know, um, censorship resistant features yes. and yes, the things that it's trying to do? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I approached, um, I think it was Sarang that I approached originally because they were talking about getting audits and I just said something along the lines of, hey, you know, we get really good rates through the organization. We might be able to help you guys out. And it sprung from there. Very cool. What, um, are you, have you guys been involved in other crypto projects, anything Bitcoin related? Have you, have you guys done anything with that other than Monero? Uh, no, we haven't done anything with Bitcoin. We did work with the quantum resistant ledger on a uh on a project for them it was right before they launched their blockchain they wanted to do a software security check so we did an audit for them i don't even know what that what what is that is, is that something you could explain briefly sure it's it's a uh, cryptocurrency that focuses on special algorithms that are resistant to quantum computers 
So quantum computers don't exist yet. They're being developed. Um, I, I should say they, they don't exist in any capacity that can break encryption yet. Right. And they probably won't for you know, 10 plus years. But um, QRL's concept is that it's someday this technology is going to be needed. So they're developing it now. And so how, how, how do you audit that without the, uh, the existence of quantum computers? Or, I mean, this might sound like a silly question, but how, how are you, I mean, you're obviously not verifying that it's quantum resistant at this stage. Right, right. So there's a lot of theoretical research around it right now. And uh, we had to get somebody who's like a PhD researcher in quantum computing and then quantum resistance. So uh, that's what we did. Very cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of Monero. That that becomes kind of one of the, the core criticisms of Monero. Um, uh, the fact that uh, because it's, you know, that the, the blockchain is obfuscated, um, mm -hmm. you know, for people to be able to, I guess, the, the fear that if quantum computers existed, they could potentially be, um, you know, uh, uh, breaking breaking into the chain, you know, uh, breaking the, uh, um, the elliptic curve and mm -hmm. essentially uh, emitting more coins or, or stealing coins. Uh, that's something yeah. that kind of comes up uh, as, as a criticism of, of Monero. Um, do you have any opinion there, seeing that you, you did this sure. recent audit? I mean, there, there's, there's a couple things there. Um, one is that it's pretty far away right now, so it's not like... China could see, secretly develop a quantum computer and break the Monero blockchain. Um, there, there's four major problems that they still need to solve before we get somewhere with quantum computers. And even then, they'll be well into the multi-million dollar range to actually build one. Um, so barring all of that, it's also, um, there, there's a ton of research right now in quantum resistant algorithms. So Monero could simply upgrade to a different type of hash function that would be quantum resistant and continue on as always. Right. And, so. and, and with time to do it. And uh, yeah, yeah I, I guess the, the other thing I didn't understand too is the argument that this is usually an argument that's coming from Bitcoin maximalists. And I guess what I, what I don't get about that is that Bitcoin is just as susceptible in that, you know, if you've, if quantum computers existed, they could just as easily, you know, break the private key of, of a Bitcoin wallet and essentially steal people's coins. So I never yes, understood why absolutely. it was a, an argument against Monero versus uh, not being one against Bitcoin. Yeah, I'm not sure either. <laughs> I'd have to read the context on whatever they're saying there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess let's get into uh, the random X or do you want to maybe first talk about the bulletproofs? Because I wasn't aware of the fact that you guys uh, partook in that as well, that you guys audited uh, bulletproofs before that was uh, integrated into Monero. Uh, yes, we actually had two separate teams look at bulletproofs. Um, our findings generally were pretty good with bulletproofs, but um, Quark's lab, which was one of the teams that we hired to do it, found a rather serious bug in the current uh, Monero software at the time. So we had to do an embargo where we actually waited for the next hard fork and the patching to take place before we could release that research. 
And it was essentially, there was a way to remotely crash any Monero node. So someone could remotely crash, say, all the mining pools and then execute a 51% attack on the network. Wow. And, th- so th- and this is something that you guys discovered or Quark's lab? Uh, yeah. Yeah. The- they discovered this while doing the research on Bulletproof. So it was actually kind of out of scope for them. So they went above and beyond when they found that. Oh, well, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, Bulletproofs has been a huge success. Um, it's, you know, kind of one of those breakthroughs that, you know, I, I don't think people were really expecting. Um, you know, tr- the Min- Monero community saw uh, transaction fees and uh, speed kind of plummet overnight because mm-hmm. of it. So, yeah, it was pretty dramatic. Yeah, great example of, you know, the ability of this technology to evolve, uh, mm-hmm. despite some people saying that these things may not be, you know, scalable or uh, that, they, that, they, that they can improve. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll jump into random X. Um, so what is your, uh, what's your opinion of random X overall? Do you have a, do you have an opinion uh, of, of the, the, uh, you know, the idea of random X and what it's trying to achieve the fact that it's, you know, trying to be, uh, ASIC resistant. Is mm-hmm. that something you have an opinion on? Um, well, ASIC resistance is a topic all in of itself, I think, um, I think it's relatively important because right now, in order to get an ASIC, it's more or less proprietary, right? So if you want to buy ASICs for Bitcoin, you've got to buy them through someone who's built them and they're charging some sort of markup and, you know, there's a bunch of costs involved in profit taking. So when you're talking about things being egalitarian and you don't want mining tied up in a few entities, then ASIC resistance becomes really important when you look at it in that light. Um, So I I definitely agree with the idea that we don't need to have, uh, hmm, what's the best way to word this? I I agree that uh, centralization is a huge problem when you don't have ASIC resistance. So yeah. I would 100% agree with that. Do you do you think it's a, a futile effort, or do you think uh, random X will will be effective to some degree? I, I think that random X is a really good start. I think that uh, so far from the feedback that we're seeing, as well as the the concept in and of itself, seems to be very hardware unfriendly. Um, from what I've seen so far. So I, I think it's going to be effective, I, I mean, for a while until someone figures something out to get around it. But uh, it's going to take a while for, for that. It's not going to be like uh, every six months we need to modify it. Right. And again, I guess the hope, yeah, I guess the hope is it kind of gives us uh, some, some stall time uh, and, and kind of let technology catch up to the point where once we are no longer ASIC resistant, that ASICs will be as widespread as computers themselves. Yeah, that that would be fantastic if we could get to that point. So, how about how about the tech? Do you have any opinion there? I mean, um, I, I, you're certainly more tech oriented than somebody like myself. You work on uh, various open source projects. You have mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge in this space. Do you kind of see Random X as being uh, a unique break 
through in in you know the the cryptocurrency space is it uh i i mean i i feel like it's it's quite unique when you look at what other projects are doing do you have an opinion there is that uh yeah for sure <laughs> i feel like i'm putting words in your mouth but do you no, no 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 um the, I really do feel like this is a step forward. When you're talking about ASIC resistance, I don't think anybody has even approached anything this robust. Um, it's it's definitely, definitely going to be very hard to try to reverse engineer something into hardware that's not going to be either obscenely expensive and complex or use so much energy that it's not worth mining with it. So... Uh, yeah, from what I've seen so far, this is going to be a, an excellent, excellent uh, addition to Monero. So what exactly are you? So um, in terms of the audits, I guess if you kind of give us a report on how where each audit is, uh, are there four audits that are happening or three? I think originally there were yeah. four. Okay. Yeah, so there's four in total. One of them was not conducted by us. One of them was hired by the Arweave guys. Right. And uh, the other three were carried out by us. And the one that's being done by Quark's lab is not complete yet. And that was intentional. We spread out the audits so the first one would complete. They'd get the results in patch. And then the second audit took place. They'd get the results for that in patch. And then the third one would take place. Um, the worry was that if we did them all simultaneously, that they'd be doing a bunch of redundant work and getting you know the same results over and over and over again. And it wouldn't be that useful. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So what? So what are we seeing? What what kind of results are we getting? Are we? Uh, has what? Have there been any discoveries? Uh, anything of significance? Uh, there's been a lot of uh, research based on the scope uh, that was given to them, which was, you know, are there going to be hardware speed ups? Are there any serious coding errors that are going to cause crashes or security problems? Things like that. Um, I think Kadelsky Security was the one that finished first. Uh, they found a lot of just general coding errors and made some like recommendations for just improving coding practices and documentation and stuff like that. Uh, all of that has been patched and fixed. Um, then I think Trail of Bits was next, and they spent a lot of time looking at randomness, which is a, a big piece of... Um, resisting being able to reverse engineer anything about the blockchain. And um, they also looked for the same hardware optimizations and speed ups and, and things like that. Uh, they didn't find anything with regard to optimizations and the, the randomness tests all looked really good. Um, the main complaint that we've had from all of the audits so far is that the code is very monolithic. So you can test things by putting numbers in one end of the application and seeing what comes out the other end of the application, but you can't break it down into pieces. So uh, one of the things that uh, organizations are doing now when they're trying to code safe applications is they break down uh, the, the application into chunks and each individual chunk can then be tested and you can see you know, where problems lie, and it, it becomes a lot less of a, a puzzle to unravel. So is that something that you think would have to be, that will be done then? They'll, they'll kind of go back and, and restructure it and break it down? Or is it, uh, you guys are just, the auditors are just working with uh, the current architecture of it? 
Yeah, they're working with the current architecture of it. And it's just like a long-term recommendation for something that you could do to improve things um, and just make it easier to test. And the other major concern was that there was all, virtually no documentation at all for changing parameters in how RandomX works. Because there are a bunch of things that you can dial and change to make RandomX work for other blockchains. Um, and the idea behind that was that if RandomX were to be used in any other blockchain, you don't want it to be directly compatible. So you have to use different values to dial in on RandomX. And the reason for that is if you have a big Monero mining pool, for example, the person running the mining pool, if everything was the exact same parameters, could simply redirect all that hashing power to 51% attack someone else. Right, right, right. Similar to the fact that, you know, uh, Bitcoin is SHA-256 and Monero uses a different uh, performance. Right, example. right. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So so in terms of, uh, you know, what you're seeing so far, do you do you think it's it's likely that RandomX will be implemented into Monero uh, on the next uh, hard fork? or next upgrade? Uh, the hard fork is in September, October, somewhere around there? Yeah, in the fall, I believe. Yeah, uh, from what I've seen, yeah, I, th I would say that it's likely to make it in. Very exciting. So, I mean, yeah, that that's, that's the update. I guess what excites me most uh, about talking to, you know, somebody like yourself is that you're not directly, I mean, I, I don't know personally if you're involved in Monero, but it's nice to see kind of uh, a third party or outside organization uh, mm -hmm. working on Monero and partaking in it. Um, yeah, definitely. I think that's that's kind of, uh, you know, it's, it's I don't, I don't want to use this word, but but kind of bullish, right? To see like, it's it's like <laughs> Monero is, is being noticed by, uh, somebody like yourself, uh, a foundation like yourself, that's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, very, uh, I would assume, critical and, and, and takes a close look at things and uh, isn't, you know, f uh, this fly by the night organization. Like you guys actually care about open source and yeah, you've, you've, you've decided that Monero is a project kind of worth like working on and looking at. So. That, yeah, that, that excites me. And in addition to the hard work you're doing to do the audits, that's like uh, another reason why I wanted to have you guys on because I just think it's, it's exciting to see that Monero is kind of being universally uh, approved uh, and it's starting to grow beyond its, its little ecosystem and get noticed outside of just pure crypto. Yeah, definitely. Um one of the major reasons that we got on board with Monero was the team's willingness to work with us. And uh, the, the reason behind that was it, these audits are costly. I mean, it's not, it's not something that uh, most of these smaller projects can even afford to do because their communities aren't large enough to, to fund this kind of work. And, um, Monero actually operates like an open source project. It's not simply, you know, here's our code. You can come through it if you want to. It's a very, very collaborative operation where they take in people's ideas and they actually, you know, make things happen based on research and, and doing a lot of like cutting edge work. So 
I mean, we see that with bulletproofs and random X and now we're talking about, um, is it CL sag, the new yeah. signature tech? Yeah. Yeah. We're actually talking to Serang about reviewing that work as well. So oh, that would make signatures even smaller again. Very exciting. So do you have, uh, I guess, do, do you mind talk? Do you have like a, a kind of a personal view of the crypto space and, you know, Bitcoin, Monero, everything else, privacy coin, which I don't like calling them privacy coins, but um, do you do you have opinions there? Is that something you'd be willing to um, talk about or you? you... Yeah, sure. Um, I, I personally think that the crypto space is really saturated with uh, projects that aren't doing a whole lot right now, more or less mimicking one another and you know copying white papers and so on and so forth. And there's only a few projects out there that are actually doing like valuable work that's moving the industry forward. Um, I'm not sure where everybody lies. Like I'm not going to give you a hierarchy or anything, but um, out of the coins that respect people's privacy like you i don't really like calling it privacy coins I, I would think that fungible is probably a better word um monero is definitely doing the most work with regard to yeah, making things safer for everyone that's good to hear and then uh do you have are you uh, are you a bitcoin guy as well are you uh what's your your take on Bitcoin versus Monero? Um, I was involved in Bitcoin very early on. And um, that slowly over time, I have become less and less interested in Bitcoin and more interested in other projects that are doing things that just make more sense to me. Um, especially with Bitcoin's attitude about fees and using side chains to try to fix those problems and, and things like that. Um, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me at to use it as a currency. Like nobody's ever going to pay for a $5 coffee with a $3 fee. It just doesn't make any sense. So. And then what do you think of, so like kind of the current meme in Bitcoin land is that, you know, Bitcoin is digital gold. And so it's, it's not really focused on buying a cup of coffee. It's, it's more about security and maintaining its uh, digital gold value. Do you have, do you think that's, uh, do you have an opinion there on that? Yeah, I'm not sure, honestly. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're kind of dialing things back to human psychology at that point, where it, things have value because you say they have value and not really because it's doing something useful. And uh, I, I worry about that. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting take on it. So saying like, uh, basically that it, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't really have an intrinsic value at that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it does because people say it does and people believe in it, but I'm not sure if that sentiment's going to remain forever. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, yeah, I think I think we could keep this show short. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. If there's anything else you want to talk about, let me know. Uh, it's been a, been a great chat. I'm, I'm glad that we got the update on RandomX. Yeah, sure. uh, like I said, I, I, I'm excited to see... Uh, you know, your, your, your group, uh, working on Monero. Um, I think it's signifies that, you know, they're doing something right. Um, but yeah, any, any other comments, any other things you want to talk about? 
Um, I mean, I can think of a couple things. We have <laughs> we have a bunch of projects going on right now. Uh, one of them, I think, is actually really relevant to Monero, even though I haven't really had a talk with the uh, developers about it yet. Okay. Um, we're working on anti-censorship technology right now called Meek 2 or Meek Heavy. And uh, it's a new form of domain fronting software, which I think that Monero's biggest threat that it, it's facing in the future is uh, national bans, where somebody steps in and says, okay, Monero is illegal in China now. We're just blocking all known Monero. Uh, IP addresses and basically, you know, uh, not allowing Monero to be used within their borders. Um, I, I think that censorship resistance, like the technology that we're developing, is extremely important to heading that off at the pass before anybody even thinks that's a good idea and starts, you know, making moves towards that. And what exactly is that technology versus something like Tor or ITP? What's so Tor actually developed the original Meek. Uh, so we are developing the second generation version, which is an, just an improvement on what they've already done before. Um, the person who developed it for Tor did it as like a grad student project and doesn't actively work on it anymore. So we wanted to pick up that development and uh, improve it. But basically what it does is it makes it so that a connection through Tor or Monero or whatever service you were trying to uh, get through censorship looks like a regular HTTPS website to a person who's listening on a network. So if you're the Chinese Great Firewall, you don't see someone connecting to Tor, you see someone connecting to some generic server at a CDN somewhere, which would be like Cloudflare or Google Cloud, or Amazon Web Services, or you know, so on and so forth. And the idea is that because they can't simply block you by domain or by IP address, um, they are forced to either block the entire other network, which would be like all of Google Cloud, or allow it through. So it's kind of this Mexican standoff approach to censorship, which is you have to block everything or you have to block nothing because domain fronting basically forces them to make that choice. And where is it? So where is that project currently? And you guys are auditing that or you're, you're we're actually developing this one in partnership with the operator foundation. Okay. What's the operator foundation? Uh, they are a foundation that works specifically on anti-censorship tools. Very cool. Um, yeah. Anything else to, to say about that? This is and ha, and I guess how to is the Monero community involved yet at all in this? Uh, no, the Monero community is not involved with this at all yet. I'm going to take it to them probably sometime in the next month or so. Very exciting. Yeah. Are you going to be in Vegas for uh, the hacker event? Uh, for DefCon. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have Amir, which is my business partner. He'll be out there in DefCon. Very cool. Tell him to come. I guess will he be at the uh, Monero Village at all? I'm sure. I'm sure he'll stop in. Uh, he's actually speaking there. Oh, okay. So Great. yeah, you'll see us there. Okay. 
uh, yeah, I hope to interview him there. I don't know if uh, actually I'm being told that it's going to be hard to interview people at the actual uh, facility because they don't want video cameras and things like that. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense at DEF CON. Yeah. Um, and so is he going, his presentation is not related to this though. This is So what is he going to be talking about? Uh, we're actually going to be talking about OSIF and Bulletproof, RandomX, and MLSAC. So, oh. very nice. Yeah, we're, we're basically doing like a cost-benefit analysis. You know, talking about how much money we're protecting by putting in this little investment from OSIF and the community. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, especially if you if you look at the Monero network, and I mean. We don't even know what the potential future value is going to be. So yeah, your 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 work is is well worth the investment. It seems. Yeah, definitely. I I would one hundred percent agree with that. But <laughs> I mean, you look at other blockchains and they don't do it. So. Yeah. Do you do you have an opinion there on uh, like so about like does Bitcoin? Uh, what does Bitcoin do in terms of auditing and checking? Obviously, you know it's it it's it's existed for ten years. It's mm -hmm. Uh, kind of the biggest honeypot of all, um, but how how does their auditing work? Do you, do, do you, do you know I'm actually not sure. I, I would guess that they do something internally where they just hire somebody to come in, do an analysis, and give them a report. But because they don't do it publicly, it's really hard to tell how much security review they're actually getting. Mm -hmm. um, being the big dog, they get a lot of free security review just from the community who's going to, you know, comb through their software because it's Bitcoin and it's very interesting. Um, but the further you get down on coin market cap, the less that's going to be occurring. So it, there could be, you know, a, a lot of blockchains out there that just simply aren't getting the security review that they need. Do you think that's a problem that can be overcome or is it just that uh, shit coins just need to go away? I mean, it's kind of a combination of both. I mean, if, if you take security seriously, you're probably not going to have a major security incident. But if you don't, there's going to be consequences down the road. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So what, what else? Do you have any other, uh, uh, anything else to bring up? Uh, no, just that we will be publishing all of the results for RandomX on our website. And usually I write up a synopsis that tries to put it all in easy to understand terms because it's usually a very sciencey language. Um, so if you visit the OSTIF website, we'll have all four reviews and a synopsis, uh, synopsis of all four reviews uh, up there. I would say probably within three weeks or so when the Quarks Lab review uh, wraps up. Very exciting. I noticed you guys often work with Quarks Lab. Is that... Um... It's just a relationship you've had for a long time or? Yeah, they have very qualified people over there and they give us an extremely good preferred rate. So uh, we do go through like a formal bidding process where we've vetted a number of different uh, audit teams and they just basically bid on the various projects and we weight it based on it, the expertise of the team as we perceive it and then the price that they give us so quarks lab gets selected a lot because they do very good work very cool all right um i think that i think that wraps it up i, I really appreciate you taking the time 
Um, I look forward to running into you guys at uh, DEF CON. Um, and perhaps we could do another show when, uh, when there's, when there's uh, kind of a final conclusion. Yeah, definitely. I, I would be open to coming on anytime. Awesome, man. And anybody that's listening that's uh, you know in the Monero community or beyond the Monero community, uh, any support you can give uh, to Ostif. I mean, I think they're, they're doing great things, obviously, certainly helping the Monero community. Um, we, we appreciate it. Thank you, you know, thank you for the work you did on Bulletproofs. Thank you for what you guys are doing on RandomX. And uh, I wish you guys much luck. Yeah, thank you for having us on here. Thanks a lot, man. All right. All right. Talk to you soon. Yeah, see you. Bye-bye.